Hi everybody, it's James Rudd here, the digital media editor here at Heart. Today, my co-host, Dr. Andrew Perry, uh, has a sit down with Dr. Anne Beatty and Dr. Alan Bagnall and discusses their paper, which is called The Impact of Stable Chest Pain Pathways of CT Fractional Flow Reserve. Um, they start off by discussing what CTFFR is, how it's been incorporated into the evaluation of patients with chest pain, and the impact that it's had on patient care. I hope you enjoy the show, and please do feel free to leave us a podcast review on the podcast app of your choice. It's super helpful for getting us new listeners. I hope you enjoy the show. This is Andrew Perry. I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Bagnell and Dr. Beatty uh, to talk about their recent paper, Impact on Stable Chest Pain Pathways of CT Fractional Flow Reserve. Uh, could I have both of you introduce yourselves for our audience? Thanks. Glad to be here. Uh, my name is Alan Bagnall. I'm a consultant interventional cardiologist. I work at the Freeman Hospital, which is in Newcastle upon Tyne in the north of England. Hi, thanks for the invite. I'm Anna Beatty. I'm a consultant cardiothoracic radiologist, also in Newcastle upon Tyne. All right, beautiful. Thank you both for making time to visit with me today and to talk about your paper. I think first off, we just so that everyone and uh, the audience is on the page, could you just describe what is CT fractional flow reserve or as it's more commonly described as, as CT FFR? Well, we probably ought to start that uh, answer with what is FFR? FFR is fractional flow reserve, and it's the, the gold standard that we use in interventional cardiology for measuring what the functional impact of a narrowing in your heart artery is. So although some uh, arteries can be narrowed, they can be narrowed by different amounts and over different lengths. And that affects how much impact that narrowing has on the flow of blood down your artery. And that, of course, then impacts upon your symptoms. Mm -hmm. So we measure FFR usually with a wire, with a pressure sensor on it, down a coronary artery. And if we see a value of less than 0.8, that generally means that that uh, narrowing is causing some ischemia. So CTFFR is a way of doing that in uh, a computer model. So it works along the lines of uh, simple fluid mechanics. Uh, you know, if you can analyze flows down a system of tubes and pipes and with different branches and narrowing points, then you, you can essentially model what will happen to flow with any type of narrowing within it. So CT scan um, takes an angiogram non-invasively. It maps out the artery, where the narrowings are, whether, um, and then the computer modeling works out whether that particular narrowing is causing um, flow reduction on a vessel specific basis. Beautiful. I might just uh, make one comment there about you know, describing as a simple fluid mechanics. I'm sure there's some <laughs> some, some listeners who might who might disagree with the uh, the qualitative uh, marker of simple, but anyhow, appreciate the, uh, the the great overview. I definitely count myself amongst that group. So when I say simple computational fluid dynamics, I think it's simple for people who understand fluid dynamics and computers. <laughs> Yes, totally. Perfect. And so I think related to that, you know, being with the CT, there's, you know, CT scanners are all over the place. What sort of special equipment with your CT scanner do you need, if any? So there's no special equipment. All the images are required as per standard guidelines um, using a 64 slice CT scan or greater and um, medication to control the heart rate and nitrates to dilate the coronary arteries. So provided you're um, offering a routine quality cardiac CT service, there are no special equipment or techniques required. 
So getting to your paper in more specific, what was the question that you sought to answer here? Yeah, it's really about pathways. So when you're faced with a patient who's describing chest pain to you, there are a number of different uh, ways that you can investigate to see whether that chest pain is, is angina, firstly, whether it's stable chest pain, and what then should you do to manage it? So uh, previously that's gone from everything from putting someone on a treadmill to doing nuclear imaging through to stress MRIs, stress echoes. There's a whole variety of different uh, modalities that you can use. And more recently uh, in the UK, the uh, national guidelines, there's an institute called NICE, the National Institute for Clinical mm -hmm. Effectiveness. Um, they recommended that we do a CT coronary angiogram as the first line. And CT coronary angiography is great because it's very, very good at showing anatomy. Um, but that often led to you then needing a second test after that to see whether any narrowing that had been identified was actually causing a functional effect and could be causing the patient's symptoms. Now, the beauty of CTFR is that you've got all that information already. You've got your CT scan, you put it into your supercomputer, and it tells you both the anatomy and the functional effect all within a single test. So for the first time, we had the opportunity of potentially offering patients a single test, which would answer both the question of, do you have any coronary disease? And secondly, is that coronary disease causing your symptoms? And then there's a third thing, which is a kind of the new and exciting thing for me as an interventional cardiologist is, can I now plan your intervention using the data from the CT? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, very exciting. I think that's, uh, we'll probably talk a bit more about that, but the utility of, you know, CT scans up front to, uh, to then plan and guide more invasive studies and management. So, yeah, so your question being primarily about pathways and how to then manage somebody who's presenting with these, uh, describe us, you know, briefly what, uh, uh, what you found? Well, I think the key thing that we found was similar to what we have been seen in other studies before, and it's a major reduction in the use of invasive coronary angiography. Um, so we saw our coronary angiography rates drop by about a half, but importantly, the same uh, proportion of patients ended up getting revascularization. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that when a patient comes to the cath lab, they're very likely to be leaving that cath lab with the stent, i.e. that they needed to be there. So we were able to see that we reduced the number of people who just turned up, had an angiogram, saw that it looked largely normal and were recommended for medical therapy. So that was a big impact for us. It also meant that therefore you had less bed days for patients. The important thing I think for patients really was that we saw uh, an increase in the number of patients who reached a final um, decision point in their pathway, whether that was for revascularization or for medical therapy within one single test. So they avoided having to have that sequential layering of tests that was commonly required in order to reach a diagnosis. And I think for patients, that's, it's great to be able to get an answer quickly and to be reassured or to know what you're going to do next within a shorter time frame as possible. Sure. Yeah. I mean, stated slightly differently. I think, uh, I think that's a really exciting, uh, uh, result there in that, you know, maybe able to, you know, triage for lack of a better word, you know, the, uh, participants who would benefit from revascularization against those who don't benefit from revascularization, uh, in a more timely manner. And, and probably I would also gather probably also more cost-effective manner, although I don't think that was a major focus of your analysis there. 
Yeah, we didn't uh, look into cost-effective analysis. There's been a few other studies that uh, have done that. There was one in the in the UK called Forecast, which uh, looked at that, and, and Nice has done their own modelling. In general, I think it comes out a bit cheaper doing CT FFR if you were to compare it purely against an invasive angiography-based approach. About equal if you look at it compared to other different types of testing. I see. Okay. Now, CT FFR isn't used everywhere. And I think the pathways that you're discussing are, you know, I think beyond just having the CT scanner in the supercomputer, there's probably more infrastructure and some, uh, how do you say, maybe some logistical or maybe some bureaucratic uh, negotiations to get around. So uh, could you help describe what are the hospital systems that need to be in place or maybe how it is at your hospital or other hospitals that have been effective at implementing this sort of pathway? So mainly it's technical and information governance. Um, and we were greatly supported by Heartflow, the company performing the CTFFR. Um, it's been adopted widely already. And the um, scans get sent to a cloud-based server and then onto Heartflow with a unique identifier so that it's pseudonymized, so that the data side of it is very secure. So all that needs to happen from a technical perspective is that you need to get the link to the server established and whatever approvals are required by your institution for around the information governance etc so there is actually minimal um it setup and information governance setup particularly now that places are by and large established and it's already in widespread clinical use yeah so important to recognize that you don't need the supercomputer you know, so that's uh, it's basically a cloud-based service, and um, information governance, I think, is is really important and obviously a priority for lots of people. Uh, the NHS is super strict about information governance, and um, the fact that we're, you're able to do this with uh, Heartflow through the NHS and all their types of um, regulations that that you require to do that is i think testament to the security and i think in the us it's the department of defense also uses this technology so it, there are some you know major organizations which are very concerned about information security that currently use this got it okay and i think you've just highlighted a couple of these barriers but you know other barriers that are you know in in place that uh, need to be overcome in order to implement a ctffr program yeah some of the other ones are cultural um as a diagnostician you have to become comfortable with what a test means, how to interpret the results of that, what to what to do in cases where you don't get results that you expect. Um, because, you know, all of your cardiologists will be used to interpreting data in a certain way, knowing that, you know, I'll send a guy for a cath if he comes with this size of, of defect on his perfusion imaging or this number of regional wall motion ab abnormalities. And you kind of have to just reset that to, um, what the, the information that you're getting from Heartflow is. So I think there is a bit of cultural time that it takes to get used to that. And that's, again, one of the other aspects of what this study was looking at. We compared two periods of time, one before we'd implemented Heartflow, and then one later on when it was in, in full effect to see whether people had changed how they practiced. And we still saw people using other types of scans. Um, there was a reduction, for example, in things like perfusion scanning, but no change in stress MRI or stress echo. And that probably reflects that some people are a bit more comfortable with the new technologies than others. So it takes a while to uh, get comfortable with this type of pathway. Um, but it, it, it's 
once you you're using it, it it's so simple you get these beautiful pictures come back from HeartFlow. you've got 3d picture of the coronary tree it's color coded you can see lesion specific um, analysis of your ffr as you go down a coronary tree and it, again from coming from an interventional cardiology perspective that ability to be able to say you know it's the third branch of the marginal system mm -hmm. that's the one that's causing the problem and not the one that's in the proximal part of the circumflex is really helpful when you're um, planning your procedures and i think from a technical perspective it's also worthwhile considering the factors that you have the infrastructure in your hospital for diagnosing stable chest pain and people have their pathway established the way that they do whatever is their preferred investigation um, and a lot of guidelines support you know multimodality imaging uh, non-invasive and invasively for coronary artery disease and so if you've got the resources and the infrastructure to be delivering um, a stress imaging service suddenly changing the workforce changing the equipment and everything to build up the numbers to be able to deliver a cardiac ct service if it's not already well established just takes a bit of time so it's very difficult to have an immediate switch from one pathway to another um, and in our experience we had a sort of phased um, introduction into this because we were involved in some of the early research collaborations into CTFFR. The UK had already adopted cardiac CT as a first line investigation. The impact and resources of needing to upscale um, staff to be cardiac CT trained and um, equipment so that it was delivering the quality of imaging required was in process at the point that heart flow came into clinical practice but even then we're a number of years down the line from it was 2017 when nice approved heart flow in clinical practice in the uk and we're still finding that there's geographical variations across the country as to who can get access and uh, benefit from that as a test so that's just a longer term consideration and those are often wrapped up in financial implications as well you know if, if you have a hospital which has a diagnostic only invasive coronary angiography lab and you suddenly replace it wholesale with this that 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 takes a lot of thinking about that it takes a lot of agreement from your hospital managers to be able to do that yeah and so we're kind of working through those processes in the uk uh, at the moment as well you know but we see this sort of change all the time you know um we used to be doing all about treadmills and we had lots of facilities for exercise testing in the past and you know we almost never use those now mm -hmm. case rejection rate though is that a useful thing to talk about um so the the case rejection rate generally is low um around five to ten percent of um scans get rejected because of image quality but you know that's a very acceptable kind of level and often the same patients will be challenging with other imaging mm -hmm. modalities because they have high body mass indices or they have arrhythmias and stuff so those are the technical factors the other thing i was going to talk about was a point that you made earlier about one of the barriers and the clinician buy-in um we spoke about the fact that we're moving now from cardiac CT being a diagnostic test to a procedural planning test. And, you mm -hmm. know, 
Jonathan Leipzig famously says, you know, you wouldn't go into an abdomen without doing a surgical a planning, CT for surgical planning. Mm-hmm. Um, the same is, I think, becoming true for coronary artery disease, that it informs discussions with patients better. If you want to simplify the pathway and say, I have a patient in front of me with chest pain, is the coronary disease causing their chest pain? Yes or no? Well, first of all, is it present? Yes or no? Do they need primary or um, prevention? Do they need risk factor modification? Then is the coronary disease causing their symptoms? And if it is, should we be choosing a pathway of optimal medical therapy? Should we be choosing revascularization? If so, what potential revascularizations should we be considering? If it's not triple vessel disease, then you know, if it's not surgically amenable, you don't necessarily even bring that up with the patients in your consultation. So as an interventional cardiologist, I realize as a radiologist, I'm talking more about your job. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that really changes the consultations that you're having with patients. And we know from things like Scott Hart as well that, you know, that impact on medical therapies and the reduction in morbidity and mortality from a CT pathway is there. So it seems to be that cardiac CT in a, alone is helpful and then that there's added benefit from adding the CTFFR results from a patient and a clinician perspective. I think we are getting more used to planning stuff with CT in interventional cardiology. I mean, right now you wouldn't do a TAVR procedure without getting a planning CT first to assess the you know, the peripheral vasculature to size your valve, et cetera. Yeah. So that's accepted as good practice now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not what we do in coronaries so much, but that information is all there for the, uh, for the taking. But again, that could be a barrier because you need to work out how you integrate that diagnostician into MDTs or clinical decision-making, particularly when you're early in the adoption phase because you're both on a learning curve. Mm-hmm. No, certainly. I think a, a very valid point. It's it's not always, I think, very settling uh, or very reassuring for patients to say, well, what's going to happen when I go to the cath lab? Well, you might get a stent, you might not. We might actually recommend something else. So I think a number of patients that I've interacted with kind of feel like, well, I, I wish we had a little more information going into this. But Yeah, exactly. And um, so we're, we're moving to a stage now where it's not just about what the functional impact of a lesion is. We might also be looking at what the plaque composition is. Does it show high risk features, you know, high lipid content, lots of positive remodeling, that type of thing. But that might inform you about the individual risk of a specific lesion rather than say a whole vessel. Is it causing ischemia or not? Mm-hmm. Well, Anna and Alan, this has been a wonderful discussion. I appreciate both of your time and expertise and really enjoy speaking with you and hearing about your work. Thank you so much. Thank you.